Well, folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune, because it's time for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluff Serini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. Um, but I am just one of the members of the Wrecking Crew. I've said it before, I've said, I'll say it again. Uh, Rec Poker is all about the Wrecking Crew. This is the core team of people that uh, make all the magic happen here. I'm uh, proud to be a member, uh, but if you want to find out more about me and the other members of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen up because you're going to meet a few of them right here tonight. I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5b5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. I'm Kim Kilroy. I am patvet underscore 33 on Twitter. I am Fergie56 in the home game. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. And, uh, of course, you have to thank the Wrecking Crew, um, but we also have to thank our premium members. Most of what we do here is free. We're a largely volunteer-based organization, um, but we go real deep into the strategy element of things uh, for our premium members, and we have some fun social activities that go on throughout the month as well. Um, so I'd encourage folks, if you want to support us and say thanks for putting on the show and all the other fun stuff that we do, the best way to do it is to go pledge that 15 bucks a month uh, over at rec.poker with a premium account. Because um, if you don't, we have to rely exclusively on our sponsors, like the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Mark Prashan over at Website Amp. Uh, thank you for your support. We couldn't do it without you. We really couldn't do it without our members. That's why we've got the forums. This is the forums edition of the show. Uh, so every week we're going to take a, a, a hand or a post from the Rec Poker forums and talk about it here on the air. This is a spot brought to us by our, by our very own 5x5 Chris Jones. It's in the Hand Histories forum. And the title is Big ICM Spot Exploitative Shove. Uh, so this is a great subject for us to be talking about right now. Um, uh, as you're listening to this, I hope you're feeling festive because it is now the first podcast that's being released in December. Uh, so the holidays are just around the corner. Um, we've been talking a lot over the last little while about three bets, responding to three bets, uh, ICM. We did an episode recently where Rob took us through uh, Dara O'Kearney's uh, ICM book. Uh, Endgame Poker Strategy that he wrote with Barry Carter. So we're going to tie a lot of those elements together into this post here um, from a hand that Chris played on a recent um, uh, pretty deep run over at ACR. Uh, so Chris, take us through this spot here and uh, what made you decide to post it in the forum? Well, this is one of those, we often talk about playing GTO versus not playing GTO. And this is this is one where and in ICM situations, what, where do, how do we make adjustments? This is one where I'm, I, I marked it for study. I made one decision in in game, and I'm not sure if it was the right one. So I'll just give you the situation. Uh, there are 12 left in an ACR tournament. We've just made a pay jump to 12. The next pay jump is at nine, and then every step up uh, to the top. Uh, we've already locked up $1,500. That's great! Yes. Yay! Uh, but the top has uh, 20,700. So there's a lot more to win. Um, but there's no, we're now in that weird area where there's, you know, kind of that murky area where there's no pay jump uh, that much inside. We've got to get rid of three more players before we see another pay jump. That's so still, we that's sitting, a lot of, that's a lot of smack of poopies, as my dad yeah. would say. Yeah, I know. A it, whole it, lot it was, of smack of poopies. And we've outlasted a lot of players. There's 12 left. We are sitting 11th out of 12th in this tournament, so we're short stacked. We're not the shortest stack, but we're not uh, comfortably, you know, into those pay ladders. We're, there's some work to do to get there. Um, and so here's the situation. Um, 
We have a player at our table who uh, we have about we have fourteen big blinds and we're sitting on the button. We have a player who is under the gun. We, we're six handed now because there's two six handed tables, um, and the under the gun player is um, opening lots, 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 lots. <laughs> like they are there. As the closer we get to this final table dynamic, um, they're exerted. They they have the uh, biggest chip stack and they're exerting that pressure and they are opening a ton, like just nearly, I wouldn't say every hand, but it's like four out of every six, at least half of the, of the, of the hands they're opening. That's so they're, actually their job. Right. 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 Oh yeah. Get right. Yeah. Right. So, so they're playing exactly how they're supposed to be playing, but they're, they're opening a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So I think that's an important thing to start to consider as we get. So they have 42 big blinds and they are the table chip captain. Um, the player in the big blind is the other big stack at the table. They have 38 big blinds. So again, we have 14 uh, and there's two big stacks of 42 and a 38 and it's under the gun in the big blind. So one of them's behind of us and the under the gun player opens. Um, and it folds around to us on the button and we have King Jack offsuit. Um, now, if we're playing uh, in a high leverage ICM spot against a GTO bot, um, this is a pure fold. There's just there's if they're if they're doing like if they're doing what they're supposed to do at GTO, you know they're like opening 22 percent of their hands. You know I've, I don't know this by heart. I'm look I looked this up before I wrote the post, but so they're doing that. This is just a pure 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 fold. Like we we just we just fold it and don't think about it really again. Um, but we've got a player who's not doing that. Uh, we've already seen them show down a hand that kind of went one of those where they opened, they got called, and then it kind of it was just kind of a middling hand and check check. Not a lot of money went into the pot, but they still opened under the gun with queen nine offsuit, right? So we know that's one little data point we have on this player. They're at least willing to open queen nine offsuit, and that is going through my head as we get to this moment as it folds to me, and I am highly considering shoving with this hand and i got to thinking like ultimately i folded but i got to thinking i marked it for study and i was like how wide would they have to be for me to reasonably shove here um given all the icm implications given so i did run some calculations but i i'll i'll uh and i wrote it in the post um but I guess I'd ask, you know, before I, I reveal that, uh, I guess you've all read the post. So uh, it's about 35% of hands. So that they would have to be opening for that. That's kind of the sweet spot that if they're opening 35% or more, we can profitably shove in this ICM situation with King Jack offsuit. But even if we know that, <laughs> should we? It's a hand that's going to be dominated a lot when called. Um I don't know. I open it uh, for your conversation. I mean, that's the thing that that's the thing that stands out to me. If you've listened to the show, you know that this group isn't a big fan of King Jack offsuit. It's just it's not a very good hand. It's often a dominated hand, uh, but it does have a certain amount of equity. Um, it's two cards higher than a ten. You know, like it, it's 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 in that category of pretty good it, hands. 
It's right. It's, it's better than Queen Nine Offsuit. You know, right? right. <laughs> yeah. So the pr- let, let, yeah, take it. Let around. me ask you this, Chris. Um, when you came up with that percentage, was that the percentage based on the fact that he would call whatever you shoved? Uh, no, it was it was it was based on I ran it in HRC. I gave it. I did all the pay. I like ran this like a full ICM solve. Okay. All right. And it and basically it. Uh, it was saying you got to fold like I kept upping the percentage of its range until I got it to tell me to call. And that was right around 35% of hands where okay. it was like, okay, now, now you should, now you should actually shove this. Okay. All right. Cause I think there's so, a lot of hands in his range, even, the, even shorter than that, that would probably fold to a jam by you yeah. because I, I read Kim's post and she mentioned that you know he's she's not going to want to risk that many chips right that's so that's like half of his stack almost half of his stack so that would be a very big hit to him mm-hmm. so i think you have a lot more fold equity than you think king is a blocker i don't know a king is a blocker to the lot of the hands that he's going to call with so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's a tough spot I would uh, I would also say that this is when you're thinking about making an exploitative shove like this, meaning that it's not a GTO shove. It's you're trying to exploit your opponent um, to either call wider than they should or fold wider than they should, one or the other. And um, you can't wait till you're nine big blinds or eight big blinds to do that. You have to do it when your stack is going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this person who's opening so many hands at your table has the chip lead at your table. And if they call and lose, they will no longer have the chip lead at your table. And they are no longer in the position where they can just bully the table um, and pick up all those free chips all the time. So, that gives them that gives you the opportunity to sort of force them to fold wider than they should in a GTO world. And you have to do that when you have this kind of a stack size that mm-hmm. is going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Like you would never do this when you blind down for a couple of orbits and now you're subtended blinds. Right. 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 So. So, so the fold equity is an important part of this, Kim, is what I'm hearing when you're thinking yes, about and this. Yes, and then when you're called, you're often not in bad shape. You might be up against tens, nines, eights, and you're in a race. You might be up against ace-jack, you know, and you're, you know, you're really only in bad shape versus ace, aces, kings, ace, king, king, queen. So... You know, you're not really in horrible shape mm-hmm. against it, most of the range that will call you. That's that's the thing about this spot that I was really interested in, and it's it's a it's <laughs> it's a tension I feel in so many poker decisions, but in particularly in this kind of a spot where we know that the hands that they are going to continue with. We're not we're not doing great against it because, like Kim says, you know we've got King Jack, so we don't want to see Ace Jack. We don't want to see uh, King Queen. We don't want to see Ace King. We don't want to see Jacks. We don't want to see Kings. We don't want to see Aces. Um, 
We don't want to see Queens, but at least we've got a live card going. Yeah, I that. mean, Queen, Queens, Queens, we've got some of those. Yeah. We got three outs. Yeah, that one yeah. at least. Um, and thirty percent. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. No. That's a ton compared to some of these other hands that we're dealing with, um, and we're loving life when they do show up with you know tens or or nines or some of those other hands um, or like yeah, ace. We'll take 10. that all day. You know. Yeah. Even like ace ten is another good example where you know we're behind but we're not dominated in the same way. So even ace we queen, really, we're like yes, ace yeah, queen. That's it. Well, let's go. Point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's easy to imagine them continuing with a lot of those hands. So that makes perfect sense. And there's some money in the in the pot already. So um, so I think we really have to appreciate how valuable it is the times that we win this pot when they fold. Because that is how that like that that stacks up really nicely against all the times that they continue and we lose. Um, but as Kim says, we are going to continue and win sometimes. When it's a coin flip, or even when we're dominated, uh, we are going to win sometimes in those other circumstances as well. Um, yeah, Chris. One other. So the other thing that um, was very top, like I think if I was, uh, and I think probably in the big blind, this is just an easier decision. But because we have these two players behind us, and one of them is also mm. one of the deep stacks, ultimately I was. That's what leaned me towards a fold because. It is a disaster if you shove and get called behind. Like the, now, you're just so you're in such dead trouble. Just because they're um, only doing that with a very strong range of hands, right? Right. So I have something to say. A couple yeah. of things to say about that. I see uh, really good players when I'm playing live. Now they will hold back two big blinds, and they mm. will just do a raise instead. Because mm-hmm. now if you're going to get a shove and a shove and and you're on a bubble for a pay jump, you can actually fold. Right. And right. you're on the button, so you have a chance to ladder up here. The other thing I wanted to say was, like, you're 11 out of 12 in this tournament. You have three people to go to the pay jump. You're supposed to go out. Like, you yeah. are supposed to go out before the next pay jump, which is an incentive to take more chances and take more risks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that, that's a separate point that that's my point to make, to say that shoving's a good thing. The other point was to say that I've seen people hold back this. You're, you're more or less doing a shove. Like right. if the right. original player is going to shove, you're going to call, but it's sort of giving you the chance to, if there's, and I would do, I would say that's more likely when you're really close closer to a pay jump um, than three away that now you have a chance that there's a whole bunch of action behind you. You can just fold and make that next pay jump. Yep. That makes sense. And that's really something that we should be doing with our entire range there. Correct. Like, cause you can still get your last four big blinds in on every flop anyway. So you're not actually giving up the chance to get those last four big blinds in when you want to. But if you only ever do it when you're planning to fold to a shove, then you are kind of opening yourself up to people noticing that and shoving on you. No, no, it's not folding to a shove. It's folding to a shove and and a reshove. Yes, 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 yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Rod, did you have something? I was just going to say, did have you seen anybody else fight back against this chip bully? Mm. Um, The table bully. 
the only other player at this table that uh, was um, fairly aggressive had already folded. So the the player who okay. was immediately to my right, uh, okay. if you're looking at the chart, Moosey Tunes. Okay. <laughs> um, and then and then what were the? I, you're not too worried about the small blind, I don't think, because he didn't have a lot of chips. Right. Not too worried about him. You could call him off all day long. Um, but the big blind now, uh, what was his story? What kind of stats was he? How, what kind of player was he? Was he loose, passive, aggressive? I'd say he's kind of a standard reg kind of thing. You know, he's kind of opening. He's like playing a 25, 22 with like a, you know, kind of 8% three bet range. So he's he's just a... You know, kind of a seems like. Do you seem? Do you seem? I see. I'm aware. That's that's the big question I always have when I get into these ICM yeah questions because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we went through the book, you know, the Daro Carney book, and we talked about ICM, and then we look we look around as we're playing in these ICM situations, and we see people making blatant mistakes. Yeah. If you were considering ICM. It's not a mistake if you're looking at a chip EV situation. So are these guys chip EV guys or do they really understand ICM? That gives you a heck of a lot more fold equity if they understand ICM. Yeah, that's a good point. And it was, th- I was going, you know, that Daro Kearney book was kind of in my mind about like you, you, it's harder to make a shoving mistake than it is a calling mistake in these kind of high leverage ICM spots. So that was another sort of, uh, thing pushing me towards towards i this is one of those where um i feel like in the moment i felt like i should do it but i didn't do it and and some and the part of me was like well but god i'm deep here do i wait for a better spot and uh if i do this and he's got aces that's just gonna stink but kim's exactly right i'm supposed to go out soon unless I make a big play like this or something happens in my favor and I, you know, get to that point. Um, And I'm going to get a lot of folds with this and that's going to be really helpful if I do it. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to go from a 14 big blind stack to around an 18 big blind stack. If I shove here and everybody folds, Um, that's going to, that's going to maybe get me closer to that laddering, you know, point. Um, where you know do that again and and things are things are looking up at least for me making a that's about a five hundred dollar pay jump so that would be not not you know something to just sort of sneeze at so I don't know um, you know we one of the responses uh, you know Taylor Moss our good friend Taylor Moss who's been on a heater by the way oh my yeah. god that guy can't lose yeah. so maybe we should really <laughs> listen to him um, he he uh chimes in and and says you know i would probably be fold here um he says i think uh so in this exact hand i just fold i think king jack off from this spot at this size at this stack size is too wide to be shoving and i think we should be looking to shove a lot versus the big stack opens uh but i don't want to have a hand that's going to be dominated by much of their calling range um so that 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 was his take i think kim your take is go for it uh, there's there's lots of reasons to think you're going to be able to get make better hands fold, um, and you're supposed to go out soon. I was probably leaning more towards where Kim was coming from, but then I actually didn't I didn't pull it off in game, and I just marked it as one that I think is 
one to think about. Um, but I do think that in these these really, really like key points, um, one of the things I need, think I need to work on is that I probably I am not a tight player and I, I play very aggressively. And I think these are the and I know we're supposed to tighten up when we get into it, but I think I might take that too much to heart in these ICM spots. And I think I might sort of tighten a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's all I got to say. I think having the two Broadway cards also blocks a lot of the opening range that dominates you. So, you know, Ace King, King Queen, Ace Jack, you're like, you're blocking. Kings, Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the kind of hand I like for, for the for the shove as a bluff. And in the words of our buddy Keith Brandt, release the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Keith's been doing pretty well lately, too. Um, okay, so I've got one question for the group here that we can leave uh, we can leave on this one. And we're not really going to answer it, I don't think. But I think some of our listeners and some of the people that I work with uh, in, in our rec- Wrecking Crew coaching program, uh, some people ask me about spots like this. And they feel a tension between sort of two general rules of poker, um, which is that you're supposed to shove in spots like this to add fold equity so that they're going to fold a lot and you win the pot right there and you get to add four big blinds to your stack and that's a good outcome. But they've also been told you don't want to do things that allow your opponents to play perfectly against you where they're only continuing with better hands and folding worse hands. And King Jack feels like one of those hands that's kind of on that line where people are going to fold a lot of the hands that are worse than you. And they're going to continue with a lot of the hands that are better than you. So I know we have some equity against those hands when they're called, but how do you guys feel that tension or is there a tension there? Is it a paradox? Because uh, I, I try and just explain to the people that ask me about it that it's 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 really about the long run of poker. It's about many more hands than just this one hand and this one outcome that you're going to experience today based on what they're holding this time. But I still understand what they're getting at when they talk about this car- paradox or this tension, because we are kind of forcing our opponents to play perfectly against us. But we're supposed to be doing that because we're supposed to be adding fold equity to this. And they say, oh, but the you're only applying fold equity to the part of the range that we're beating already. Like you're not applying fold equity to the better parts of their range. So yeah, but you're what, picking what do you up make those of that? Lines. You're picking up those, those really valuable chips. That's okay. You're making them fold all their equity. Like they may, you may have 60% equity and they may have 40 with their hand that but you're picking, you're folding, making them fold their 40% equity and you're picking up the extra chips. So when yeah. you have an opponent like Chris had that's opening too wide because they're opening so many hands, of course they're going to fold so much. You're going to make them fold a lot more hands. That And yes, you're going to be ahead of a lot of those. But you're, you're probably making them fold some hands that you're that are ahead of you. Some of their worst ace offsuit mm-hmm. aces and things yep. like that. So an offsuit king's or even suited kings that are are behind. I think the or ahead. no you, not ahead. you talk 
you, you talk about have, letting the player play perfectly against you. Well, I think of those situations more in the earlier stages of a tournament where you're deeper stacked, where you know you're allowing your opponent to play well against you, where you're trying to get value or you're trying to get a fault, whatever that might be. I think in a, I don't think that really applies in a in a heavy ICM situation like this. Yeah, and I, I think there are there are. I mean, you're right. There's a lot of like disaster hands that we can look if we want to look at the worst case scenario. And there's a lot of hands we talked about, like the tens, the nines, the eights, the sevens, which were just kind of like, great, let's let's run this. I'll take it. Uh, sometimes I double up and then let's let's go. Like I'm I'm going for twenty k. But I think there's also actually there are worse hands that will call us here. I mean, I think uh, probably our opponent. I don't know some, especially an opponent that's this aggressive. And this player was fairly aggressive. I think they're probably calling me with Queen Jack suited. I think they're probably calling with mm-hmm. Jack ten suited. They're mm-hmm. probably calling. You know, so there there are some hands that we actually dominate that they may actually call us with. Not that many, but enough that you know. That 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 would be delightful to see. <laughs> that matters. I mean, and, and yeah. I guess that's what I'm getting at. So, like, that's why we're choosing a hand as strong as King Jack offsuit and not just like seven eight suited. Because seven eight suited, you still like you benefit from all the same folds of the worst part of their range that they were going to fold to your King Jack, um, and you still have that underdog equity against all the better hands that they weren't going to fold anyway, you're kind of dominated less, but you're also ahead of nothing. You're ahead of nothing uh, in that straight up equity. So is it, I guess it's the, it's the uh, paradox of the blocker, right? Because the blocker means it's less likely that they will continue. But another way of saying blocker in the original Latin is uh, worse kicker. So every time you have a blocker, basically the hand that you're blocking is a hand that has that card, but also a better card <laughs> than your kicker. So right. it's not going to happen as often because you're blocking that part of their range. But the when they continue, you're going to be dominated uh, more more often. So I guess is is what I'm hearing from the panel here is that it's just. Uh, it's just it's still just more valuable to do it with King Jack than with seven eight, because even though you're dominated a little, uh, or with with some of the combos that they're going to continue with, you're doing better against their calling range because you're still you're you're doing better against like the Ace Queen hands or the Ace Ten hands than you are with seven eight, um, and you can actually get called by worse, which you're never going to do and, with it. And seven eight. When they turn over tens and nines, you're or eights or sevens, you're just like, yeah, you know. Whereas with King Jack, you're like, okay, let's go. Um, and that's why that you know, we often talk about being short stacked in these, we want to really shift ourselves towards that linear, less, less polarized range where we're really high card value has a lot of value when we are shoving with short stacks because. They, in short stack situations, they're just really can help us win much more. And the reason seven, eight suited is such a great hand when we're 80 big blinds deep is because we can make a hand and stack somebody with, with a really disguised straight or a really great 
you know, flush draw or whatever we, we build with that kind of hand, but it's not going to happen enough. We need, we need, a we need to make a lot of blinds for that to actually pay off. Right. When we're 14 big blinds here, that seven, eight suited is still going to make those hands the same amount of times, but we're not going to get paid enough for it to actually be relevant. Or yeah, we're not going to choose the boards that we get to continue aggressively on uh, when we just shove it. Like we get to see all five cards, which is great. But, you know, there's going to be some boards where we three bet with seven, eight suited with a big stack and then choose to shut it down because it's not our board. Um, right. You don't get that option uh, with this, whereas uh, uh, you're always kind of you always have that in your corner. If at least you've got, you know, two cards higher than a 10, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty good chunk of the deck right there. So yep. Uh, yep. that makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, any any last thoughts on uh, uh, big ICM spot by five by five here or should we? Jim, what are you this? doing? We've heard from everyone else except what what are you doing? Oh, get them in. Get him in. Get him in. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, you know, I won't say 100%, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, thinking is hard. I try and do it as little as possible. So uh, <laughs> once, once I'm in like the bottom two in a spot like this, I think Kim, Kim was speaking my language here, uh, where it's just if I'm going to win this tournament, I have to take some spots because I'm it, all things being equal. I'm at the bottom of the pack here and. Uh, yeah, I say that. I don't know if I really would. It's just, ah, yeah. I don't know. It's better than King 10. You know how I feel about King 10. Ah! <laughs> it is better than King 10. Yeah. That's true. But it's a good, I mean, let, let's, well, yeah, I guess, I don't know. I always feel like I'd, I I want to have a good reason for busting a tournament. That's like, I think like all recreational poker players, we want to like have an excuse for, why we busted and i think once you start getting down to this stack depth you shouldn't get desperate because there is still poker to be played there's still a little meat on that bone but i think you should feel like free to take those spots that that come along i think i think i i don't know i, I want to say i should but now i don't know oh my god come on let's be real most of the time you're not going to bust on this hand you're gonna right, make that's true. I fold most of the time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. And, and if it makes you feel any better, two orbits later, uh, the blinds had gone up, so I was down to about ten big blinds at this point. Small blind, I shoved with king ten of clubs. Oh, you don't want to do that. Called with ace <laughs> ten, called by ace ten, and uh, out I go. Yep. Yes. Yeah, that's why. That's why you don't play king ten. That's, that's right there. That's right there in a nutshell. I, I tell yeah. I told you that just to make you happy. I appreciate that. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think Kim, no, you said it. You're right. And and uh I think we do kind of get afraid of the worst case scenario. And and Kim and Chris both kind of mentioned that tonight. I think that's that is a really good point because that that happens a small percentage of the time. And there's just a lot more to the story than than what happens that small percentage of the time. So and we're probably going to bust here a little more than a small percentage of the time, but it's not the majority of the time. Right. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's a spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. And listen, as poker players, we have to get comfortable with putting our chips in and losing a large portion of the time. Like that's, 
even if, even if you're getting in as a favorite, if you're getting in 60, 40 against a, a, another hand, um, you're going home 40% of the time. Holy God, that's more than a third of the time already. And, uh, you know, you can, your hand has to be a lot better than King Queen or than King Jack offsuit before you start feeling good about what happens after that um, in the hand. And they just don't make that many good hands. You're not going to get dealt those good hands often enough to just do this with good hands. So I think that's, that's a great point, Kim. Well said. All right. Well, um, this is a treat. I always learn something on these forums edition. Every time we turn off the, after the music and we're all just kind of taking a deep breath and decompressing, I always say to the guy, you're like, this is the highlight of my week, man. I just love getting together with these folks and talking poker about this kind of stuff. It gets me going. So um, thanks to all our listeners for sticking around here. Thanks to Mark Bershawn from Website Amp and the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. Thanks to Kim and Chris and Rob. Uh, thanks to Steve Fredlin for making this whole thing happen. And you, the listeners, you're the best. We'll see you next week.